welcome to the Extraordinary Moms podcast. I'm Jessica Dalkus, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way. And we should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. And if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hey everybody, it's Jessica and I'm so excited to have you here today. My guest is the incredible Laura Hernandez. Laura and her husband are raising 10 children, yes 10, in the Dallas area and six of those kids have come into their family in the last four years. We're going to talk about how their family grew to that number. They have biological and adopted children and it's just the most beautiful conversation about what makes a family. She loves homeschooling. She's a pro on developing systems for your family. So whether you have a large family yourself or you're just kind of drowning with two kids or one child and you feel like you never have enough time or the same issues keep popping up, this is the episode for you. She has life hacks to keep her family running and organized and she helps other moms to do the same now. We talk about batch work and just how you can really thrive by making a plan of how your family is going to be successful. I found her so fascinating. And unfortunately, my recording stuff shut down in the last little bit, so we missed the last five or so minutes of our conversation, but I did pick up what she would tell her pre-motherhood self at the very end, so stay tuned for that. But sorry for kind of an abrupt ending to the conversation, so let's get to it with Laura Hernandez. All right, I'm so excited to be chatting with Laura Hernandez today. Hi, Laura. Hi. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. Yay, I'm excited to speak with you. Where am I speaking to you from today? Dallas. Dallas. Okay, so I have a son named Austin, and we're like, what if we just go through all the Texas cities? Like, let's just let's just do it. We're like, maybe Antonio. I have four boys, so like maybe we'll do Dallas, and we'll do. Well, I did like Houston as well. I thought that was cute, but uh, yeah, just just Austin for now. Have are you a native Texan? I am born and raised. Amazing. That's kind of rare. That's kind of rare these days. Sorry, everyone from California is moving to Texas. <laughs> It's kind of unfortunate. It really is. I'm sure. I'm sure you're feeling the impact of that. But yeah, other states like California, where I live, we got to get our act together or else we're all we're all bouncing. (laughs) Well, Laura, I'm everybody's coming to Texas. Yes. Well, it's a good place to live. We love Texas. Well, I'm just so excited to chat with you today. You have an incredible family story, how your family has grown. I just can't wait to dig more into it. For people that don't know you yet, Laura, will you give a little background on yourself and your family? Absolutely. Um, We have 10 kiddos, my husband and I do, and we went from four kids to eight kids in the span of six months, and that was a little crazy. We had our fifth biological, and then... A couple weeks later, we started the adoption process for a sibling group of three. The oldest we had fostered in the past, so we already knew the family. Um, Also in there, we had to move back. We were up in Seattle for two years, and we had to move back to Texas. And so we had done this cross-country move. We're in a rental house. We have four kids. Three of them, we had eight kids total. Four new kids. Yes! (laughs) And um, five, four and under that were all in diapers. And it was was kind of crazy and I remember just giving myself pep talks of like you know what we just got to get to the end of the day and if I can keep everybody alive I feel like we're doing okay 
Um, the bar was pretty low for me, but I got to a point where I realized I don't want to live like this. We really need to get some systems in place so that we can live intentionally with our people because there was so much I wanted to be doing and didn't have the bandwidth to do. And so, of course, no books had anything about our family of like special needs and um, public school and we homeschooled some. And so it was just kind of a wide, we were a wide variety of people in our little home that nobody had things for. And so I kind of had to sit down and create our own. And that process I realized is duplicable and I'm able to do that with other moms and help them create unique systems in their homes so that their families can thrive and they can live more peaceful lives. So that's what I do now. Hey everyone, I wanted to jump in and thank a show sponsor, and that is Skylight Frames. You heard me talking about them last week, and boy, do I love it. And in fact, the very day I recorded this ad, my dad texted me and said, hey, I'm over at the grandparents at their assisted living facility, and they would love some new pictures on their Skylight Frame. And so instantly, I was able to use the personalized email address, send some of our most adorable and updated photos, email them over to the digital picture frame, and boom, within minutes, I got another phone call from my grandparents, Jessica, I love the pictures, the kids are so cute, you know, on and on. Instant gratification. The Skylight frame is so amazing because it is the highest quality digital picture frame. They have different sizing options and an email address specific to that picture frame that you can give to friends or family so everyone can contribute to these beautiful images. It is so, so cool. It's easy to set up and if they can do it, anybody can do it. Plus, it's 100% satisfaction guaranteed. It's the gift that keeps on giving. So now as a special offer, you can get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter code MOMS. That's right. To get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, go to skylightframe.com and enter code MOMS, M-O-M-S. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com, promo code MOMS. Thanks, Skylight Frame. And I hope you'll pick up one of these frames for someone you love this holiday season. So let's go back to the time where you just had your four biological children. So by all accounts, you would think like four kids, like that's a handful. I have four boys. You might think like that's, that's a lot of kids right there. What kind of influenced you and encouraged you to pursue, was it foster care first? Yes. So we had pursued foster care after our number three. Okay. And we had Andrew with us. He was, he's the oldest of our three adopted and he came to us as a baby. And of course, then he's like our son. Yeah. But he went back to his bio mom and she subsequently had two more kids and we subsequently had two more kids. And so then when they got back in the system and we adopted them, that's why we went, that was why it was such a big jump for it. Right. You know? Right. Absolutely. And so tell me about your kids and how they have handled having during that foster period you know, a brother come into the home and you've treated him like a brother since he was, you know, and like your son, since he was a baby. And then he was with you for a little while and then re reunifies with his, his birth family. What's that like helping your children to manage the in and the out and the, will they come back? Will I see them again? Cause that's a, that's a concern for a lot of families that feel like, Oh, I could never foster because of that. Yeah. You'll definitely always find an excuse as to why you shouldn't foster. And there are a lot of reasons why maybe some people shouldn't foster. Um, For us, it was 
it was just something we always talked about. And while they were in, while he was in our home, we always talked to our kids, like, we're just taking care of him as long as we can. Like just for right now, we're taking care of him. And we just made that very clear that he's, he was not ours yet. And, um, he did, he was not a Hernandez yet, but I think that really laid the groundwork for our kids being able to understand that of like, he has a birth mom, he would go to visits. And so we talk about that and just having open communication about the whole thing. Um, I feel like that made it less confusing for them. Mm-hmm. And even after he left, we would still talk about him all the time. And if I would get an update or a picture, I would show them pictures and um, just building that, that trust amongst our, our kids, because I feel like we could have easily been like, this is our son and he's, he's staying with us and we're adopting him. And, but truly we have no idea. Mm-hmm. Like we don't know how many, how many days our people are with us. And so um, I think just having that, that honesty there was very trust building and therefore the kids can trust what's happening. Right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And that transparency, because sometimes just in lots of different areas of life, there's always that line between being open and honest and transparent with our kids, whether it's about like a life issue, whether it's about racism, whether it's about drugs, whether it's about, you know, body stuff. There's always that and the, I don't want to give them too much information too young. I don't want to scare them or I don't want to hurt them or whatever. And so I feel like moms are always kind of towing that line. But as I've talked to a lot of moms, as I've lived out my own life with my kids, I always feel like empowering them with more information that is correct and the messaging that I want them to hear is always better to err on that side of of more conversations, more open communication than less because then they're either filling in their own blanks, asking their friends, you know what I mean? So that's kind of sounds like a, a similar thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, and that's hard to do. It's hard to know. And especially when you have kids of a variety of ages too, it's like, okay, what's age appropriate for one child versus another. And so you went from, you know, having three kids to then adding in Andrew and then he went back and then you had another one. And so you kind of bounced back and forth between how many kids were in your home. But then when you finally went from having uh, your your fifth baby and then adopting the siblings or fostering to adopt the siblings. So then you're at eight. What was the biggest change? And what was, what was the crux of you feeling that depletion you mentioned earlier? Yeah. So I didn't know at the time that they all three had special needs. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I'm like, well, of course it was so overwhelming. <laughs> of course it was so much. I, I think just even typical kids having that many little people, is a lot for anybody. Um, but then looking back and being like, oh, they had not only all this trauma, but they also had fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, which is a whole beast in and of itself. And so I, I think that was the big thing mm-hmm. of just not being typical. And so like not having my experience thus far was with typical children and then having this whole new type of child mm-hmm. who we hadn't formed attachments with and, that were causing a lot of, a lot of chaos in our home. And it wasn't always bad chaos because they were such little people. But um, I I think that was the biggest upheaval 
toward family life. Sure, sure. And so once you acknowledged what was, like you realize I cannot keep going like this. And I'm sure there's moms listening that have biological children and maybe two kids at home, or they have completely, you know, quote unquote, typical children, and they're feeling depleted too. Everyone has these seasons where they're just like, I cannot keep going this way anymore. So when you hit that point and you realized my circumstances really aren't going to change. The exterior, the dynamic, the needs, those will still be present, but I need to change something. What was kind of the first thing that you started to shift in order to move in a more positive, like sustainable uh, direction? Yeah, I think the first thing is just to really figure out what you want, which sounds so basic. Um, but I realized that so many of us are just going from thing to thing and we're really living reactionary lives. And so we're not figuring out what we want. We don't know what we want. We know dinner time is chaos, but what do we want it to look like? Like, how do we want everyone to behave at the dinner table? What do we want to be talking about? How do we want to direct that? What do we want the focus to be? Is it really the food? Is it our conversation? Is it like, we want everybody to have a chance to talk? Like, how does that look in your family? Because everybody's family is unique. Um, despite if you have two and you feel overwhelmed by your two and or if you have 10 and you feel overwhelmed by your 10, like whatever that is for you, it's okay. Like it's okay if you have two kids and you're completely overwhelmed. Um, we just each have our different giftings and each have our different, our different stories and personalities and children who also have their different stories and personalities and children. And so I feel like it's easy for a lot of moms to compare kind of getting off track with your question here, but I feel like it's easy for us to jump and compare um, with other families and be like, why shouldn't be feeling this way? But it's okay that you are like you are. And so let's figure out what we're going to do, what you want, how are we going to implement those things and like what plan are we going to put in place? Hey everyone, I want to thank another show sponsor and that is Genucel. I need you to listen up because if I've learned anything as I've gotten older, it's that good skincare cannot be denied, right? And we all know why it's so important. We only get one face. So why not try to stay looking amazing and we can protect our skin while we're young so that when we're older, we don't have these regrets. I already have some skin damage that I wish I had been better about taking care of when I was younger, but trust me, I am diligent about using my moisturizer, sunscreen, and good skincare. And Genucel is so fantastic. It takes care of all of it, especially because you can use it all during pregnancy. Pregnancy, breastfeeding, these are all safe products with Genucel. They're made with antioxidants and other natural ingredients that will have you looking younger in no time. I love their dark spot corrector because like I said, I have some skin damage from not being diligent with my sunscreen earlier on. So that dark spot corrector has been so incredible over the last few weeks. I'm already seeing a difference. And the eye bags and puffiness treatment, it makes me look well rested, you guys. I am using it diligently and it has been a game changer. I'm so, so grateful that there's something like that for me. Try Genucel products for yourself right now at genucel.com slash EEP and get an extra 20% off your order with our special code EEP. That's right. These products actually show results and leave your skin feeling refreshed while looking younger. Guaranteed or your money back. Go to genucel.com slash EEP and use code EEP. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash EEP genucel.com slash EEP for 20% off your order. Use code EEP. Thank you, Genucel, for helping my skin so, so much. And I hope all of you will get to try it out as well. 
And are you somebody that is okay asking for help? Because obviously with 10 kids, like you cannot do it all. You cannot be it all. Like it's literally physically impossible, even if you wanted to, even if you were the best super mom ever, you can't. So how did asking for help or reaching out for other resources, how did that look for you? It's been life-changing. Okay, tell me, Laura, tell me. I, um, I have to credit this. I feel like I learned this when I was in the hospital with one of my kiddos. I was on bed rest with my third. And for 10 weeks, I was in the hospital. I had two kids at home. I had to rely on everyone else to do my parenting. Like, I had been very self-sufficient in parenting. Like, I had my husband, but, you know. Yeah, right. Or my husband, but he's just not, he's not the most helpful of, of folks when it comes to the home, home yeah front, like so. pro, like pro like proactive like you they, probably had it handled and so there wasn't really a place for him to just naturally jump in to take over those things unless you literally weren't there bless you yes yeah. that sounds much kinder than yeah. whatever I, was say. <laughs> I feel but you i feel you i don't want to throw him under the bus but <laughs> the truth is um yeah so i think that really just helped me realize like just how it was just so humbling, I guess, um, in realizing that I can't do it all, all the time. And there's going to be times when I need help moving through that phase of just the onslaught of new people in my home and, um, trying to figure all of that out. We had to actually have our, our agency said, you have to have somebody else in the home. Like you have to, because of the ratios and, um, the amount of small kids. So you have to hire somebody to be in your home. And so we, had someone there during waking hours with us at all times. And that's just been a really tricky journey to figure out Mm -hmm. because you're having somebody else come in and it's a complete stranger and they're then joining you in the parenting process and the organizing and the home running and everything, or they're not. And they're just sitting there looking at their phones and then it feels like you're parenting someone else, you know? Mm. So that's been a big journey for us. But I, I think the real point that I got to that felt, I mean, it just, I, I would want to crawl under a table and hide in shame because it felt so desperate and so raw. Um, when, when I learned that our little buddies qualified for services because they were adopted through foster care. So they got Medicaid and so they, they can have Medicaid waiver programs. Mm-hmm. And one of those waiver programs, we get help in the house for 40 hours a week per kid. Um, which has absolutely changed my life. Mm-hmm. And it's allowed me to be able to rely on that help and have them come in, have them love on my kids, especially days when I'm like, I'm dying. I can't, I can't give any more. They're able to step in and fill in those gaps. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's created this precious bond between like our helper, Mary, um, between her and our kids and just having another person love on them is it's just beautiful. I, I have to say that there's times where I'm like, I'm not responding out of kindness or out of love, but she's able to come in and able to respond that way. And I know that that is my job for anybody who's getting up in arms about that. But um, just as a special needs mom, I just realized my limitations that I cannot, I cannot respond how I want to respond at all times. Like that's not, not practical. Well, and Mary has some training that you also do not have, some systematic educational training. And so I feel so much for moms that are thrown into the deep end of whether it's medical challenges or mental health things or or any number of 
of things that people go to school for to to learn about, to learn to do an actual job. But these moms who are thrown into the deep end with a baby and sent home from the hospital, and it's like, you didn't know how to handle fetal alcohol syndrome. And all these, you know, these, these really acute special needs that have a whole host of ramifications and impact on their life. And so to be able to keep up with each individual and even a typical child obviously has individual needs. And so how wonderful to be able to, to learn from and be supported by somebody that is more equipped in that, in that specific area. You are still their mother. You still have that mother's intuition that only you really are entitled to, but that other piece is so, so critical. And, and mother's intuition can tell us, I need more help. I need more support. I need somebody who knows more about this thing than I do. And that is a great mother. I could not agree more. Yeah. Like I feel like asking for help is the best thing you could do. Right. That's so, that's so great. And so you had your eight and then what on earth possessed you two more? You know, we're at 10. How did that, how did those final two come into your family? Yeah. We're just crazy, I think. <laughs> and, um, I really love babies and it's kind of a problem, but we, I, I say that jokingly and I, <laughs> I know I, we can also, hear it. <laughs> also treading lightly here because I feel like this is such a touchy subject for some people, but I, I, I don't mind pregnancy and our, our bio kids are just, um, they've been really easy kids thus far. When people ask me like, Oh, do you want to adopt again? Or do you want to, um, to have more children? At this current moment, we are, we're done. Cause I'm sure that's the question that everybody's wondering, but it, it was always an easy, like, yes, I want to have more children. And I don't think we can adopt anymore. Like, I think that we're, we're done in that front because it just takes a different, mm-hmm. a different part of you altogether. So, yeah, yeah, that must, yeah, that must be a hard decision when you do love these children so much and you feel so called to provide a loving home for kids when you see a need out there, especially if it's, you know, a baby that just in this tender, vulnerable state just needs someone to see them and love them and meet them where they are. Just that pull is so huge. I've talked to, um, the founder of Austin angels, um, and they support the foster care program and, and families who foster in, in the greater Texas area. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Are you? I am. Yes. yes. I just love them so, so much and the work that they are doing. And I love her point that like, not everyone feels called to foster care. And, and like you said, for some reasons, you know, people should, and for some people reasons, people shouldn't, but the role we can all play. And even in just becoming more educated about the foster system is so huge because the awareness that you have when a family is, is opening up their home to these children who feel like, do I matter? Do I have a place in this world? It is an incredible burden for these kids to, to carry. And so our own feelings about, can I take them in and love them for a time and send them back? That should be the last thing on the the list for who needs to be considered in this situation. 
Hey everyone, I have one last show sponsor and that is Docatot. We all know what it's like to have a new baby in our home and it is nothing short of magical. And sometimes we don't know what types of baby products we really need. Sometimes we overbuy, sometimes we underbuy. But one gift I love to give and use myself is the Docatot. So, so amazing. This lifestyle brand is made for the modern parent and it creates functional solutions for feeding, playing, resting, sleeping, lounging, and beyond. Their award-winning dock to their whimsical play tents and nursing pillows. They're incredible and they're growing with families through every phase and stage. One of my friends just had her fourth little baby and they are limited on space. So I ordered her a Docatot in a darling leopard print because I knew that would fit her personality. And it has been such a winner because the dock allows the baby to be cuddled in this wonderful sleeping pad. It's safe for the baby and it is portable. So you can lay them on the bed, you can lay them on the ground and the dock can go wherever you go. And for all my nursing moms out there, I know it's not easy and traditional nursing pillows are short-lived, not portable, and they're definitely not attractive. So Docatot's amazing solution for nursing pillow is a must have. Your home should be a reflection of your style and Docatot won't make you sacrifice style for safety. So mamas and gift givers, this is the best brand you can buy for the most precious child you love most. Get 15% off at Docatot.com with code EEP. That's 15% off with code EEP at Docatot.com. Parenting is hard, but Docatot makes it easier. Thanks, Docatot, for sponsoring the show. Now let's finish up with Laura. What would you say to somebody that is considering fostering or, or foster to adopt down the road? What would you say to someone that's on the fence about that? Or how can we step in to support a family like yours who does have a lot of needs and, you know, is fully intact as, as you 10 right now, but how can we support your family? Hands down, there will be times when you're thinking, oh crap, what did I get into? What are we doing? And it's so wonderful to have my husband alongside me saying like, we're going to get through this. I know it's hard, but we're going to get through this. I've yet to meet an adoptive family who hasn't come up with challenges and struggles that make you want to just throw your hands up in the air. But once you've made that commitment, it's kind of like marriage, right? It's, it's hard. It's all get out, but you've committed to this and so you're going to stick through it. And I think just having that peace, because there's so many emotions that come along with it. Like it may be wonderful and lovely and just delightful when you get handed a new precious baby that needs to be loved on. Like that's sweet and wonderful. But oh my goodness, when that four-year-old is then pooping on your walls, like you're like, I don't know. Right. Am I supposed to be doing this? Is he supposed to be here right now? Because I don't, I don't think he is. Yeah. Um, he's still with us, by the way. But <laughs> <laughs> it, there's just so many emotions that come up along the way that you didn't know were in you and that you didn't know that this would bring out. Um, so it's really a refining process for you as well. It's it's a big ask of you. And I realize that kids need homes. and But I just, I want to encourage people to always be for sure that this is what they want to be doing. Um, so there's no second guessing along the way. Hmm. Yeah. And then number two, how to support families. I find that once you get a kid placed in your home and maybe those first couple of weeks, people are really good about bringing meals and sending gift cards and dropping off supplies and stuff like that, which is hands down needed. But if you know of a family that's fostering, maybe find out for them what would bless their family. Like if bringing a meal a month or just having like a, an automatic gift card sent to their house, 
um, for groceries or something or for a night out or something, something to give the parents respite or to bless the family and just have a reminder on your phone to, to remind you to do that. I have found that the, the biggest, our biggest issues have come way down the line. Mm. They haven't been the first ones. Like we could have figured out the clothes and the diapers and all of that. But down here, I'm like, oh my goodness, we really need help. And there's nobody, there's nobody around. Nobody wants to help us now uh, because there are kids and we're, we're in it. Right. And so I have been so blessed by those who see that need now and still show up and still serve us. And so I think that's what I would encourage just to, just to continually be pursuing those families and continually be supporting them because they are doing really, really hard work. Even if the mom says, we're fine, everything's great. Don't believe her. <laughs> we're doing hard work and they need your love and support no matter what. That is so good. And writing it on your calendar or setting a reminder on your phone or whatever, or having just an automatic something that happens, like you said, you know, whatever you can systematize in order to continue that support. If, if that family means something to you, if these kids mean something to you, like keep showing up. I think that is so huge. And I've heard the same thing after a loss, you know, writing down the anniversary or checking in after six months and sending a card then that says, how are you doing? I'm still thinking of you. I'm still praying for you. Let's go out to lunch, whatever it is, and continuing to show up because everyone's life kind of goes back to normal after that initial like uproar, whether it's positive yeah. or hard. That that initial time, everyone's there, and then everyone kind of dissipates because life goes back to normal for everyone else but you, right? So with ten kids, I can only imagine the amount of free time you have just to just to take care of yourself, Laura, just to you know. I know that there's things you have to do every day that are just all consuming for your kids. And I know that you're passionate about batch work and I love batch work so much. Tell me what batch work is and tell me how this is like revolutionized what you're able to do during the day. It's changed everything. Tell me, tell me. I love it so much. Um, so I read about batch working when I was kind of doing all the research and trying to figure out what to do with our chaotic life. And this has been the one thing that's been revolutionary for our family and what it is, just in case you don't know, it's putting all light tasks together. And so if I'm going to be sitting down and working on things, I'm going to have an office day and I'm going to get through all of our bills, all of our receipts, all of our things that I need to manage for our home during my office day. And I have an errand day where we go out and we run errands. So we'll go get medicines. We'll drop off books at the library, like whatever those things are that we can't just um, order from our phones. Mm -hmm. Those things happen on that day. Kitchen day, we have a kitchen day where we brown the meat, we cut up veggies, we like get things ready for the meals that week. And doing that prep work ahead of time for like kitchen day cuts down so much time every single day. Mm -hmm. Like, so I have an extra hour every day that I don't have to be in the kitchen prepping stuff because I've already done it. I mean, it's just changed my life. We have a laundry day and we do all of the laundry in one day. And again, this has been so big because I used to do laundry like every day yeah and every day I was always thinking about oh gosh I gotta go change up the laundry or yeah oh, always gotta go put it away like there's just always something to be done with the laundry but doing it all in one day it's just like just one day I have to remember and we get it done so much faster I have the kids help bring laundry down and they move their laundry and I move our laundry and the baby's laundry and we're like done I, I do less than an hour of laundry every week now how, how many loads are we talking? How many loads of laundry for this family of 12? Uh, there's a lot. 
I mean, I don't even know. I should count. You should count. It's a real answer. Um, yeah. We do have we do have two washers and two dryers, so that helps with yeah with things. But um, but I love that because all of these these systems are not only helping you, but their kids know that routine as well. So it's like, okay, I got to get all my laundry gathered and brought down on Tuesday or whenever it is. And so it's not like all of a sudden, Hey, get your laundry. What do you like? Where's your soccer stuff? Like that's what, how I'm living every day. It's like, Oh, we have practice tomorrow. We haven't done it yet. But if we just like systematically, the kids knew what to expect, because I think that the thing that irks a lot of moms is that their kids are not mind readers. And so when you do not have systems in your home, not that you have to be so strict about everything, but what are the things that are causing you the most grief, the most headache, you're always running behind on it, whatever it is that's really, that's your junk drawer, right? That's just in chaos. What would make your life easier? Find a system around those things. Like you said, laundry and meal planning and and that kitchen prep, I'm sure those two things in and of itself are like such time savers and really change the way everybody's able to view those tasks. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so much though. And so when I work with moms, I find that like, we'll find their main pain points and come up with systems for those within a big piece of it and implementing those is getting the kids on board. Yes. Telling them exactly what they need to be doing. And again, I never encourage rigidity with any system, but I encourage like, let's build a framework around this. And so that way everyone is on the same page of where we're going with this whole thing. And it's not a surprise to them. And you don't hear, you didn't tell me I was supposed to do that. Right. I feel like that's what a lot of moms hear all the time. Like you didn't tell me what I was supposed to do. When you sit down with those expectations, it's very clear what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. And keeping those things very consistently, I feel like is a big key in this. It's yeah. not like changing around chores or anything because what seems to happen is when you change things around, then kids are not only confused, but you're also confused and you're like, you're supposed to be doing this. And then, you know, right. it's not my day. I'm not supposed to be doing that, but we just keep things consistent so that you're not confused. So they're not confused and things can run smoothly. Yeah. Um, is there any sense of with the age, what's the age range of your kids right now? Yeah, our oldest is 16 and our youngest is three. Okay, so sometimes for my kids that are really close in age together, so I, like my 12-year-old and my, you know, versus my seven-year-old, sometimes there's like a, oh, I do everything and he doesn't do very much or whatever. So do you ever get that kind of pushback about like fairness, um, especially when it comes to like household tasks and things? Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that I don't because I feel like okay. that should be something that kids should argue about, okay. right? yeah. Um, but I think that the consistency of our, our schedule, so everybody has morning jobs. It's period. just their morning jobs. Yeah. Right. Yes. And so older kids are doing more, younger kids are doing less, but we're all doing our morning jobs mm-hmm. and same with the afternoon. We're all doing our afternoon jobs. So one kid's probably sitting, putting silverware on the table while the other kid's cleaning the pool robot. And I would much rather set silverware on the table, but it's just kind of like you're growing up you have more responsibility We've kind of Got it. coached them through the whole way. And it's just a matter of fact, that's what we do. Well, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying about not comparing yourself. Like, this is your lane. Like, stay in your lane. Like, this is what I'm asking yeah. you to do. Don't worry about what he's doing. But, like, ultimately, everything needs to get done. And so this is the distribution. And it is what it is. So you can either complain about it or just do it and get it done. And, and like you said, without switching it up too much. Um, 
I think we do try and give our kids too much variety. Like I see some chore charts that are like every single day, you know, p- kids are changing their jobs and everything. So A, it's a lot to monitor, right? Mm-hmm. Like staying on top of, I don't even know who has trash today. I don't even know who's setting the table today. But if it's always the same kid, or at least for a month, it's the same kid, that, that what's going to save your brain power as a mom? Because I hate monitoring things. That's the thing, Laura, that I let my kids slip because it's easier. It ends up being easier for me to do if it's a last minute thing because it didn't get done. Right. But if everyone knows what's expected and I'm not having to always have that open tab in my brain, like, are they actually going to do it? Closing that tab, I think would free me up a lot. And I'm sure you've experienced that. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Like I feel like we've been so much of our brain power trying to manage, like it's basically micromanaging them. Yeah. Um, but if we just have this system and we're all familiar with this system, so when I walk by the, the living room and I see that there's still blankets on the floor, I'm not trying to figure out who put the blankets on the floor, where did they come from, who watched TV last. I know, Sam, that's your job. Get in there, do it. No matter like, if it's your blanket or not. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I hear all the time, it's not my blanket. It's not my pillow. I don't care. Pick it up. Like, it would have been picked up in the same amount of time as this conversation. Yes. Yes. And Laura. so when you're setting those expectations of, Hey, your job is the living room and you're in charge of blankets and pillows. So he's not in charge of toys or anything in there. Just blankets yeah, and pillows. That's yeah. all he has to do in the morning and going over with him saying, Sam, so what if you didn't get out any of the blankets? What if you didn't get out any of the pillows? Still have to pick it up. And he may not be enthusiastic about it, sure. but he knows that that's the expectation. And I could care less if those are his things, but instead of having that conversation every day, yeah, it's just once. And then I can remind him if he hasn't done it. Um, but so you're talking yeah. about like it's he's always on blankets and pillows for his whole life in the house or like do you change ever like how does that how does that go and how do you decide do you ask your kids like like you said like you'd rather you know set the table than you know clean the pool or whatever do you ask your kids their input into what they would prefer to do or is it just assigned um typically just assigned okay and we'll change it up like every if there's like a new season coming up so if it's a new school year and things need to be tweaked some, we'll do that. Okay. Um, or if it's normally around summertime, we'll switch up things because everybody's a year older. And so yeah. they'll get a little bit more responsibility. Um, but I, I also am like, I don't really want any of the younger kids doing the pool stuff. Right. <laughs> so well, exactly. Older kids are, are capable of doing it and they can help do that because they swim in the pool and they enjoy it. And um, I love so that. I, I think just keeping it as much the same as possible is so helpful for me. Yeah. And having that system in place is so helpful for me as well because it takes away the brain power. Well, and I think, like, for example, cleaning the bathrooms, which, like, nobody actually wants to do. It feels like kind of a bummer that the same kid would always have to do, you know, whatever given bathroom it is. But at the same time, the more time they have to do it, the better they'll get at it. Because I'm always bummed when I'm like, oh, I'm sending this kid down to the bathroom and then I'm going to have to go do it. So this is where Laura and I got cut off, but she went on to talk about how that consistency of jobs is so important and it helps them really develop a good skill set around those jobs. And so while at first they may not be great at cleaning the bathroom, eventually they become experts. And then also we talked about batching tasks. If you have a set laundry day, like she was mentioning before, then there's not guesswork about when laundry's happening, what's happening, who's doing it, where the laundry goes, where the clean clothes go. 
the guesswork is out. Batching errands. If you have one day where you're running around town and doing all of your errands, it's going to cut down on a lot of wasted time. If you have a set computer time during the day where you sit down and answer emails all at one time versus checking in periodically throughout the day, you're going to save a lot of time. Basically, any time that we have to transition, we lose a lot of time. And so when you can cut down on those transitions and maximize the time that you're in a single headspace or doing a single task, that is going to be the most efficient thing. So I'm going to go ahead and jump back into Laura and we're going to go ahead and ask her that final question that I always do. So what would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Um, to sit and enjoy it more. I feel like with my, my older people, when they were little, I mean, I put them in Mother's Day out and all of those things. And I'm like, why did I do that? Like they were so precious. And I, I wish I would have just had them home more and snuggled with them more and read more books and always, always more, you know? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So good. Thank you so much for sharing your family and your story, Laura. You are just so inspiring and I just wish you and your family all the best. And I hope we can implement some of these systems in our family today. I hope so too. I'm so grateful to Laura for coming on the show. I am so inspired by her willingness to answer the call to foster care and adoption. And no matter how crazy her family gets or how big it gets, there's always enough love for every single member, which I think is extraordinary. So thank you, Laura, for sharing. If you want help or following along with with Laura and the systems that she develops for her family and for other moms, everything will be linked at extraordinarymomspodcast.com. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalquist3. Next week, I have kind of a big announcement for you. So tune in to listen for that big announcement and we will see you then. I can't believe it'll be December. Okay, everybody, happy Thanksgiving and we'll see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.